Welcome to the Sober Sessions Podcast, where I am your host, Connie McMillan, aka the Sobriety Queen, coach, and author. On this podcast, we help kings and queens live purpose, no longer pain. We interview kings and queens around the globe so that you can hear their real life stories to see just how your life too can be transformed. So let's jump on into the episode. Sessions podcast where I am your girl, the sobriety queen, no longer the alcohol fiend. I am so incredibly thankful to have another guest, Miss Ayana Parent. She's a wife, a mother, a daughter. She's also an author, the owner and founder of Be Well Wellness. She is also a podcaster. Her <laughs> podcast is Fit Fat chat podcast. I love that girl. I love that. And lastly, <laughs> with a PH, exactly. P-H-A-T, Fit Fat Chat Podcast. And also she is a survivor of alcohol abuse, use, and dependency. Welcome to the podcast, Ayana. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am thankful that you're here. Uh, Ayana and I met, I didn't even realize that we met back um, in She Recoveries, one of the, um, uh, what would you call it? One of the events that they had. Yes. And uh, she remembered me, thankfully. I just believe that things are not done accidentally. So oh, we no, met some- there. Yeah. Right? So we met some time ago, and and then fast forward, we here we are today. Uh, so thankful to have her on the podcast. She is truly, as I've already announced, you know what she's doing and her roles. But I'm gonna let Ayana tell us what life was like prior to sobriety. Give us that background. Oh my goodness, it was not pretty. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, I would say, I mean, I was using alcohol for about 20 years um wow yeah yeah and um i would say that you know it started just you know as, as it mostly starts and you know just in college and hanging out and mm -hmm. just and then um i actually didn't drink in high school because my mom was an addict and i was like no i'm not i don't want any part of that that's that i don't want to be involved in that so i actually stayed out of that in high school and just watched everyone kind of dabble and, and mm -hmm. do sort of like some not great things and then I got to college and we got into some bars and I was like oh uh, see, I see <laughs> he was like hey this is where the party's oh at God. the first buzz when I was on the dance floor I was like oh yeah this is this is for me like and then I remember that moment being like sealing the deal um, yeah but then not knowing like how dangerous mm -hmm. that was Right, because mm -hmm. I, you know, I had known that my mom was an addict for years and was trying to stay away from it, but just thought, oh, it just feels good. But there's something dangerous about it. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, as the progression went on, I certainly used it to um, manage any kind of stress I was having, to sort of drink away any of my own traumas that I was dealing with, um, and, you know, and got into a whole bunch of unsafe situations, yeah. and just basically became my only way of functioning for a while, mm. um, you know, and it seemed manageable at certain times in my life, but then other times really was not, um, you know, I was certainly, you know, out in bars with men and, you know, all kinds of stuff that I should not be doing that mm -hmm. was 
face that alcohol was telling me that was fine in the moment. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy. I'm going to jump oh. in really quickly. Uh, when, that, yeah, when you went ahead. back, when you, the college days. Now, I definitely, well, I didn't go right to college, but um, that whole experience of you, you know, that first taste, yes, right. I too felt like that. I felt like, Yes, this is this what life is like? Like, right? It was just, you know, it, it made me feel. I always say, like, I felt like a cocoon opened up inside of me, yeah. and I really was just like, I am not losing this feeling. And and like you, right. you know, I had seen it around me as well, so I definitely can relate to that. Um, and then there's the kind of like the pressure to fit in. You know, you're in college, as you said, or your friends and what have you. Um, it's, it can be, you know, misleading and, you know, you want to fit in. So, yeah, there you go. So, all right. So now you're in college, right? You're yeah. drinking, you're involved in some things that you would not have been involved in. Tell us about, you know, maybe the most craziest thing that, you know, that you've done in that environment in college that, you know, you were not too proud of, if you care oh to share. Oh my goodness, this is terrible, I was glad. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I certainly, so I went to Wheelock College, which is mainly girls. Okay. And so um, I sort of hung out with lots of the other, so there was like other colleges around like Northeastern and, you know, and all those different places that uh -huh. I would just find myself in. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I probably shouldn't have been there. Let me just tell you. I yeah. mean, normal, normal stuff. But then, like, I'd be the last one to leave, or my friends would already gone, and I'm like sitting there drinking with like the frat dudes and like mm -hmm. and me. Mm -hmm. But who does that? Right, right. Well, alcohol tells us it's okay. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think as time went on, I I felt really sort of alone after college. Mm. Um, I had like a really really tight network of friends and then um my mom was getting sober but she didn't like aa and so then i became her sponsor but then the struggle with that was like mm. I, I, that internal process was like crazy because then i had to be her person to talk her down all the time but yet i was like turning to alcohol myself right but not making the connection at all that what i was doing was exactly what she did like not at all right I, I would counsel her through her stuff and then go pick up a drink because that was stressful. Wow. <laughs> when I look back on it, I'm like, how did I not, I like didn't, I was in such denial back then that mm -hmm. I was just like, no, it's just normal. Like, this is just what you do. Right. Um, but because I was drinking through that, I just certainly downed all of the feelings and didn't really feel anything until she died. So, and then there was mm. that whole guilt of, of that and I thought in my head like I knew my drinking was unhealthy and I had to stop mm -hmm. but I thought oh because now she's gone I can take care of myself but it was the reverse like all of the feelings came up mm -hmm. even more. and mm -hmm. so then I just the drinking was like then from then out of control probably until I went to rehab but I didn't end up going to rehab until probably like eight years later Wow, well, wait, wait, let's go back. Let's go back. <laughs> like you you really said a lot there. So you were your mom's sponsor mm -hmm. while you were drinking yourself. Yeah. Like that is, that is different. Now that is definitely right. different. Um, she did need someone to support her, right? And she's right. looking at you. Now she didn't realize that you were drinking. She had no no I mean, awareness. Knew, but it was I was very, very quiet about it back then. Mm. I didn't I would drink by myself. I would be social with people. Right. But the and I would know enough to stop and, and look normal. Right. 
But right. when I was by myself in my apartment at home, I would be drinking bottles of wine. Okay, so you went to her house, and so you guys didn't live together. Is that what you're saying? No. I got you. Okay, so got no, you. I was like out of college. I, you know, I was doing my own thing. Right. So you showed up as this, you know, this all together, like I did. This, this is what I did mm -hmm. too, right? I chose. Yeah. To, I mean, I went to work. I wear my suits, and you know, I spoke well, and I went home and drank too. So here it is, your right. mom in no, the. I was a social worker. Oh wow. 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 That's my training. I'm an LICSW. Right. So I also had a full-time job throughout my lifetime of mm -hmm. helping other people. Mm -hmm. And see, what, what I'm hearing, too, is you're so busy helping everybody else, and then right. your own problems, you're drowning those in alcohol. And that's so... Absolutely. That, that makes a lot of sense. You know, yeah. I was once married, and um, my sister had gone off... She, gotten locked up. She was locked up for three years. And um, I felt like I needed to be that support to my mom, you know, her missing her firstborn, right? So I kind of put my marriage to the side, like, listen, my mother needs me. So here I was, and then also assisting my sister in her need and while she's incarcerated, I was taking on so many roles. Yeah, you forget about yourself. You literally do. You put yourself to the side just to kind of help everybody else. Oh my gosh, but that is that's the trick of alcohol too. Yeah, come on over here. You'll feel better. Right. Come on over yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. And then I didn't realize the depth of the grief and what yeah. that was gonna look like because I hadn't paid attention. I basically took care of her. Right. While she was dying. So that was the other thing. She was dying of emphysema. Mm. But and basically alcohol and cocaine were killing her. So her lungs were basically just giving up altogether right. because she just treated herself so horribly for so many years. She lived on the streets for about 10 years where I wasn't even in touch with her. And so when she came back was when she wanted to get sober, but then didn't love AA and all that. So that's, and that was like right as I was graduating college. So all of those developmental things and all that stuff was going on as I'm developing, I'm now taking care of my mom. And because she had alienated everyone else, I was it. Like there was, I was the only person that would speak to her because she had just, with her addiction, she had just, everyone couldn't, no one could be with her. So it was like, feel, feel guilty. Like I have right, to do right. or she'll die. Like literally. Right. It was like, she will die. If I want my mother in my life, I have to do that. Wow. Wow. And I, it's so, I'm so glad you brought that up because I was going to say that. Why, how did you become her sponsor? So she was against AA or other support services. Yeah. And it was just like, she entrusted everything to you. Like you're, you're her daughter and it, it makes sense. Like you want the right. people not saying that outside source couldn't have made sense either, but right. because of her trauma, traumatic experiences that right. kind of just maybe trust issues or just feeling like, no, this is my blood. I can trust her. So it yeah. made sense, but it also put a burden on you. It was the biggest burden. Like that's all. And I, for years just lived to keep her alive because she had not been around for 10 years. And I knew enough that. Like, I loved her so much that the pain of not having her around was so horrible that I was, like, willing to do anything. And I was so young. Right. It's like you, when you grow, like, I'm in my 40s now, you get that you don't have to do other stuff for other people because they're going to do their own thing anyway. And right. And you can only do as much as you can do, but you can only do what's good for you, too. Right. But if, when I was, like, 22, I I didn't know that. I thought, like, if I don't do this, my like, literally my mother will die and she won't be around. So... I have no choice but to just not function and to just, you know, be there for her and then drink, 
drink it away. Yeah. And that makes sense. Like, you can't drink it away. Like you said, so she wasn't a part of your life. Here she is. She comes back into your life. You almost feel like, okay, I'll do whatever I have to do to keep her near me. So I mm -hmm. understand. And then you see how sick she is. So you, that on top of, you know, feeling abandoned and not, not without her, you don't want to lose her. So you've got this attachment to her and a need for her to be here and stay alive. But also masking your own pain on top. That's a lot. That's that's heavy. Are you stressed for me? No. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm saying, but I'm just no, I I well sort of kind of stressed for you at that time. Yeah. <laughs> and I totally understand it though. I get it. It's right. a it's a role that no young adult um should have to carry, but I do get oh. it. I mean, my dad is still, you know, struggling with addiction and he has i'm 48 years old god bless my life to see 49 i'll be 49 right. next month but i've never seen him sober and so my sister and i both are actually kind of where you were we're at a right. point where we're like juggling between who's going to care for him i'm more of the we're not professionals he needs support outside of us yeah we're going to be there for him but he needs to be hospitalized you know he needs to right. be in a detox and, you know, she's more of the, like what your mom was, well, it's family and we can do it. I'm like, ah, I don't think so. Like, that's just not, that doesn't make sense. So I totally, totally get where you're going. So um, fast forward, you're now, your mom passes away. You've now sank even deeper in your addiction. Um, mm -hmm. And what, what happens at this point? How do you transition to getting the help that you need? So, um, I'm like sort of teetering on like, okay, but not okay. And then um, I meet my now husband who lives in Cape Cod. And, awesome. uh, so what ends up happening is I was living in Boston for a really long time and doing all this stuff. And then he lives in the Cape, on Cape Cod and which is, you know, this nice, beautiful place. And of course you think like, I'm like, I am just going to move in with him and everything. You got to move in with You got to move in with him, you said? <laughs> What did you say? You're going to move in with him and everything's going to be okay? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to move to Cape Cod and everything's going to be great. And I'm going to live with my husband and it's going to be fine. Okay. And we're going to adopt this really cute baby and we're going to be good. Um, and he had two sons already from a previous marriage. And so, but it was really sweet. Like they really embraced me and it was great. And um, my husband and I talked about adopting a, a daughter. And so that was in the works. But meanwhile, I was, I was still in active addiction. Um, and it, what it, was okay for a little while like it did feel like it got better but then it got worse like as i started to as we adopted my daughter she we adopted her through dcf and the the process of that is very very difficult mm. so there was like a lot of like is she ours is she not we would go to court and fight for her and like wow. it just it triggered all my own stuff of when i was little and didn't have my mom oh wow yeah oh I can see that. yeah and so it was literally, I started to have flashbacks of stuff that I don't know that I even remembered. And so the, I, all I could do was drink. Like it was like, I had, I, that's when it started so bad that I was drinking in the morning because I physically just couldn't, I couldn't function. Like I was like, all this trauma was like, and I'm a social worker, mind you. Yeah, I was going to say that. Like, I it's, know what it, it is. Right. But at this point, Mike, I have never tried anything else other than maybe movement and dancing and stuff that made me feel better. I've tried therapy, didn't, you know, talking to somebody, you can, I'm sorry, you can lie in therapy. I never was honest about my real alcohol use. Mm. Someone's going to tell me to stop. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
now you and got to be ready. Now you got to be honest in therapy. Now you cannot be lying. It's, they're there to help, but okay, you knew it didn't work for you. You're like, no, there's got to be a different way. But I don't want to jump too fast, too soon, right? Okay. We gonna talk about that. She's got a beautiful daughter, you guys. I've seen her, absolutely yeah. gorgeous little girl. All right, mm -hmm. so now you realize that this is bringing up this trauma. What do you do? How do you get through that? relapse because am i correct is that what it you said it brought well, the up? first time um it was literally like i was drinking in the day and i was gonna go pick up my daughter at preschool and i was not functional and i called my husband and i said i can't like oh my god i was just about to pick up our kids and i'm drunk and i need help and whatever you want to do just to help me i'm i'm ready and so he just drove me to rehab <laughs> good okay yeah, okay. which was great. Like, you know, the scariest moments, but the best moment of my life, right? It's just yeah. like, you always think like it's going to be the worst. Mm -hmm. And the first, probably the first 48 hours were the worst. But after that, it was, you know, once I got settled into the actual rehab place and out of detox. Right. It was okay. It was okay. And, and you that were ready. Sort of was the journey in which I started to heal. You were ready. You were willing. Yeah. You were willing and willing, ready. Willing for sure. Yeah. Ready? I don't know. But willing? Okay. Yes. Okay, but well, listen, one of the two or a combination of both, definitely, yes, it's required. That is excellent. So you stayed there, you got healed, and then mm -hmm. at what point do you now start to create this amazing pathway for yourself? You come so out. What, yeah, what ended up happening was I, um, and the first time you get sober, I don't know if you've been through this, but like, it's hard. Like. I, for six months, I literally didn't feel like myself, even though I got out of rehab. But 28 days is not that long, even though it feels like forever when you're in rehab. Right, right. It takes a long time for your body to just even feel different. Mm -hmm. So I didn't feel that great. I still felt like angry. I was still really pissed off that I couldn't drink. I was still, you know, I lived on Cape Cod, which is like this beautiful vacation place. And I got out of rehab in the summertime and was like walking down the street and everyone's drinking outside. And I was like, so angry at them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I do so I did it, I relapsed on my six month anniversary. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was actually when the real healing started. Cause I always talk about like the first rehab really is like you're a deer, a deer in headlights and you're just removing the alcohol. Right. But it, but right. that, and that's why so many people relapse is because it's really just not that it's not enough. Right. So we really need two months in the beginning just because once you get the alcohol, then you, your brain can actually access this level of healing in which you can start to make actual changes. Mm. So I, it, in some ways, I'm always so blessed to have that relapse because I don't know that I would have opened my business if I didn't. I think I'd still be an angry person just sober. Right. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have you know, walked around with all this love and joy and peace that I have now. <laughs> so the second time I um, I had started in, in that six months, the only thing that was making me feel better was yoga. Mm. And so I started, um, even though I relapsed, I was in yoga teacher training. And so I relapsed. So I, I wasn't there for a month, but I um, they let me back. And during that month, all I literally did was yoga and write and journal and cry and really just wow. like let the, let the healing happen. As painful and as scary as that was, yeah, it finally was like, well, you're in rehab. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen if you actually look at this stuff clearly for the first time? Right, right. Like, let's just look at it and let's just feel it. And once you start to do that, it gets a lot easier. It's just like practice like anything else. 
You know, I love what you said the first time, right? So you had the 28 days and no, I did a whole different route. Um, I didn't, I didn't go into a facility, mm. but I still had to do work, honey, just because you put oh, down yeah. the bottle. That does not mean, all right, you know, you have saying, yeah, you don't have, you know, you don't drink anymore. As you said, you live in Cape Cod, you know, you're, you're still <laughs> seeing this beautiful environment and then alcohol is in your presence in your nostrils and all your senses are you know <laughs> certainly in my nose right like, I'm just that's just be honest and so it's you removing it out of your body but still it's you're raw you're raw, raw. and so, so word. yeah so yeah so it's, it's like yes and that's why you you were suggesting that you know you still go back and do longer longer period of time because it's still like all right now where do we deal with the pain that we were masking so that i get why you said that totally get why and then so you were able to do that thankfully and deal with those broken areas deal with the pain deal with the fact that you know mom wasn't too well and you know how do we how do we navigate life you know in this space without her how do we address those broken areas in our life so i get it trust me i get it it is i I hope you guys are listening or understanding and walking away with something because there is something that we're masking we're all Mm -hmm. utilizing or was utilizing alcohol drugs whatever just so that we don't feel but when you detox and you take the drugs away the you know the the those toxics if you will away you still are dealing or left rather with that. that with the pain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you got to deal with that. You, you cannot not do with that. So you find yoga. You find yep. that yoga is your thing, honey. It's my thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I, I hated it for years because, you know, Shavasana is like the final resting pose. And like I would go to yoga and then I would get up and walk out because I was like, who can deal with all this stillness in your mind? And so when I, the thing that clued me into the fact of like, you know, you can dance, you can do hip hop, you can do fast movement and that's great for your body. It's great for fitness. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, if you don't tune into what the silence is telling you in your mind and your body, you are certainly not going to heal. Wow. So I, I just started to sit and that's when meditation came in where I was just sitting with meditation is beautiful. I tell people it's like magic because you can actually sit with the pain without it like overtaking you. Like you right. can, and then you have control over it. So you can use your breath, you can use your thoughts, you can use different imagery. There's all different ways to help sort of, and then you know when it's too much or, right. or if you're in meditation is too much, you take a deep breath, you get up and you walk around. Mm. So it's like you have to, you have control over how to sit with it and how to manage it and how to, and how to be with it okay. in, a, in a way that's like just so better than any other way I've ever experienced. Right. So you you saw meditation and, you know, your your willingness to deal with your pain a different way. And Mm -hmm. that's how you decided to say, well, I'm going to start this business. Like, how did that come into play? Oh, so just right after I um, graduated from my second graduated, (laughs) I guess graduated from my second rehab, right? Yeah. I, so during that time, I was writing in the journal furiously about all the things that I was doing movement-wise and mm-hmm. breath-wise, meditation-wise to help get this stuff out. So I'd write like the word abandonment and that would bring up all this stuff about my mom, right? And then I would breathe and I would do a yoga pose and then I would write how I felt after. Oh. And so what ended up happening was that became the coaching model that I use now. Mm. So after I left, I just looked back at my journals and I was like, Oh my God, I have a business model to teach people how to actually do this, like on their own. Wow. 
Wow. Started, I just started talking about it. I just started networking. I got myself an office. I made a name and then I just went. It just almost like it became me. It birthed. It birthed <laughs> it itself. Became, it just went. Right. Once I birthed it, it just yes. became its own. It just went. It just was like the universe was waiting. <laughs> right. And that's literally. I just did it. And then I'm like, now I have my own studio and I'm, you know, coaching other people how to do this. And it's great. Yeah. And that's just how it happens. It's yeah. already there. It's already there. You look, you're like, wow, like I already have this stuff written down. Right. I can, <laughs> I can use this and implement it for other people's usage so that they too can find healing for themselves. So exactly. you're coaching individuals and you're coaching coaches. Yeah. So I have a training model now where I actually train them to teach other people how to do the model so that I don't have to do it on myself now because I designed it and it's my copyright. So I have to really, the only way for other people to learn is for me to teach it to them. Right. But see, yeah. that's, that's incredible. That, that's incredible because even still you're creating, not only are you changing lives individually, right? They're able to get to the root of the problem, you know, using this, this form that you've created, but then you're also changing lives by helping other individuals mm -hmm. change lives. Yeah. Like that is incredible. God, <laughs> you better come on through here. Look at that. I love it. It's pretty it. cool. It is pretty cool. I'll give you that. It's pretty cool. It's it, pretty cool to watch, right? Like yeah. even eight coaches with our, um, our group when we had, when we have our sessions, it's once a weekend. I mean, um, once a month for a weekend. Okay. Just watching them evolve and right. just their understanding of their own power and then how to teach that to other people is, re is really, it's one of the, the most amazing experiences I've ever seen. Because I know for myself what it was like. Right. But I couldn't necessarily, I wasn't the witness outside myself. I was just the internal person dealing with the pain. So it wasn't joyful necessarily for me. Right, right. But for these guys, it is because they're in a different place. And, you know, I'm only mm. taking coaches that are, you're really willing to dive deep and have some, you know, basis of healing already so that they can help teach other people. But to watch that with us, it's really cool. And then, to be, and I'm like, oh my God, that's really cool. <laughs> that is incredible. So if one of our listeners are interested in, you know, kind of just being a coach and being, you know, led into this direction, what would they have to do? Could they reach out to you or? Is yeah, they can just go to the website and there, I think there's a link or a section on there that either says get in touch with me or if you're interested in the coaching training, fill out this form. Oh my God. Listen, y'all. Listen, y'all. <laughs> we all have a purpose. That is incredible. Ayana, mm -hmm. I am, I'm blown away. I'm just like, okay, <laughs> all right. I love it. I love it. So how do you become an author then? How does, how does that transition to you writing this amazing book? Yeah, Tell us the name so of the I always book. knew that I wanted to write my story and I was, um, I wanted, to, I really wanted to honor my mom in some way. Um, and, but I, I wanted to honor her in a way that was like real and true and not just, you know, fluffy. I mean, there's not much fluffy to say about her, but um, I wanted to be able to share the story in a way that also made sense for people to understand how you can heal. Yeah. So for the people that are really struggling in active addiction, whether it's drugs or whatever, or even just recovering from anything, right? We all feed ourselves with yeah. food, cigarettes, whatever, porn, all that stuff. Yes. It's all just, it's a, you know, trauma is the gateway to all kinds of, of stuff. So yes. yes. I wanted to just share with people as, as nitty and gritty as I could get without, you know, re-traumatizing myself was to just share the story with everybody. And I know that there's so many people out there that have parents that are also yeah. addicted and that then, then as hard as they try, it just, 
it becomes part of their story too. Mm-hmm. So I want to show that that you can have that story and still be okay. You can still and and doesn't matter what time in my life, right? I started to get really sober in my forties. So right, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, they so regret that they didn't get sober in their thirties or forties. If I had tried, it just wouldn't have worked. So it you, it doesn't matter. It happens when it happens. Yeah, yeah. It, you take it when when it comes, and you say thank you, and you don't worry about what time it was supposed to happen because it happened when it was supposed to. I think it happens gradually. That's what I believe. Yeah, it happens gradually. True. It happens over time. But tell us the name of the book. Let's not leave that out. Oh, becoming free. <laughs> <laughs> becoming free. This is absolutely amazing. Oh, I thank am, you. I, you know because. People have to understand that even all the all the craziness that our lives have brought our way. Some, you know, we had no idea, right? You you weren't asked to be born, you were born. And right. some of the upbringings can be very challenging, can be very, very, very hard. And you, you tend to think like, how could my life be used for good in all of that? Well, guess what? Ayana is a perfect example of that, right? Having been, you know, isolated from her mom for several years and mm-hmm. then, you know, having grown up, retaching herself to her mom, her mom experiencing such traumatic experiences. Now she's an author. She's helping women around the world become bosses, helping women heal. I mean, that's extraordinary. You've got to know that your life too has purpose. It doesn't matter where you start, right? Right. You, no, it doesn't. It, it really no, doesn't. Honestly, if I, if I had any advice for folks out there, like the one thing that I connected with in rehab was I have to love myself first. I love and that. that nothing else will come after that yeah. like I mean, nothing else can come until that part is is set and so for me the yoga mat was a moment where i would take a deep breath and tell myself i am loved from myself mm-hmm. because i wasn't loved from other places in my life and so that's what was missing yeah that's that's what the alcohol was was trying to tell me was it gives me love because it gave me that buzz feeling of how you feel when yes, you're loved, right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but I was like, no, I need to feel the internal spark from inside. That's right. So that once I got comfortable with saying I love myself and like forgiving everything and just moving on in a way that was like I, I had purpose and like, you know, everything else started to open up. So if anyone out there is struggling with anything, it's like really the first step is to take a deep breath and just to tell yourself you love yourself. And it was a great segue into our lightning round. But yeah, that whole advice, I love it. You know, you've got to love yourself. You've got to be, I mean, you know, we teach people how to treat us, right? And so if we're not treating ourselves fairly, um, it's actually an extension of how others are going to treat us. And I get it. Very true. It takes time. So um, I'm not the one to sit here and say, just keep doing it. Just, you know, <laughs> show yourself some compassion. Um, and most of all, know that God loves you. Like, you know, people are going to talk about you, whether you're doing good or bad. You be the person to talk about you. But you be the game changer. Give yeah. them something to talk about, right? Like, okay, yes, I'm, now I'm talking about myself. Yeah. <laughs> now I, you know, sure, I peed on myself when I was drunk. Sure, I slept with a lot of guys. Sure, I did, you know, so many crazy things. I stole from my mother. Sure, I did these things. But what are you saying now? Now I'm giving you something to talk about. You know, you got to flip it around, if you will. I, I hope that encourages somebody because you you owe yourself. You owe yourself a life of healing. You owe yourself a life of joy and peace and, and not be concerned about what others are thinking and saying. Because, again, they're going to talk regardless. And... You know, I think the people that's talking the most ain't doing nothing. You know, they're really not doing too much. So, yeah, um, and, they, and they want what you have. 
Yeah, yeah. A lot of times people see more in you than you see in yourself. They and really so they do. Just, they feel bad that they're not there, and then they just flip it around on you. Yes. Well, let's jump into this lightning round, right? I've got sure. I want to ask you. Yeah. What's the most valuable lesson that you've had in life? Oh man. Well, the one is to love yourself, um, but the second would be to use your breath. Say that again. To use your breath. Use your breath. Yeah, to take deep breaths because I really talk about breath is really the love notes for your body and the way that I taught myself how to love myself. So even breathing to me is is living. So just breathing was is really was like a big game changer and a huge lesson in my life in terms of, of being positive. I love that because we don't. If you think about it, we don't really breathe properly. Oh, nobody does. Right. I keep telling them if if you if you just knew that your breath would save your life, mm. why wouldn't you just breathe deeply? I love that. You <laughs> All right. Is there a book that has changed your life? Oh my gosh. So I just read um, Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Uh huh. And she she's amazing. I love I've loved her for a long time, but she it was a it was a nice timing to read her book because she talks a lot about um, racial dynamics and parenting. Mm-hmm. And as much as I'm sober and a great parent, I still struggle with parenting um, because it does tap into like trauma stuff and worthiness and am I doing this right? And oh my, and patience, so much patience. Yeah. <laughs> so that book really helped. And um, just in terms of like empowerment for women too, like you are exactly where you need to be and it's happened to your power and you're good. I love that you said. Your version, my book, yeah, sorry. And your version, don't, don't forget your book. Uh, yeah. And my book, my book was the yes. That would be the second one, my book was the yes. That's right. <laughs> Love that you're talking about the parenting aspects. I'm not a parent, well, per se. We're well, all parents in some way. I have a dog. <laughs> you're a dog mom. I am, but I like to be a real mom. And so when you were talking about, you know, your experience, I, I am definitely praying about that. I definitely mm. stopped a little girl. You should. I'll walk you through it all. After I said how hard it is, but I'll help you. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right, now I'm holding. Be you. careful what you wish for. I know. <laughs> No, but you know, that's just the one missing piece. I made my husband, whatever that comes, whatever God, God prepared him. But yeah, that, that's something that, you know, I know that every child needs love and um, I love to just have that. All right, enough about me. Let's go back to these questions. <laughs> okay. What does business mean to you? Oh, man. So this is what I tell people and what I really believe is like, it's, it's success in truth. Ooh. So it's really like, you know, people think business is about getting money, business is about being famous, business is about getting all the success and all this kind of stuff. Um, it's really about living your truth and, and how you can then make money doing that authentically. Absolutely. Well said. Well, I could not agree. <laughs> A thousand million percent. Absolutely. That's exactly it. Okay. I love I love it. And lastly, what's your advice to anyone starting on their journey? Just in general or with alcohol or drugs or what? Alcohol with addiction. Oh, with, with addiction. Yeah. Um, oh, my goodness. Don't judge yourself. Mm. Get the judgment out of the way. So the judgment and the shame 
is always what makes us go back and to not be ourselves, to, to go back to the to using. Um, and so, and sometimes with trauma being sort of the gateway, we've taught ourselves that we're bad or we're not good or we're not worthy. Mm-hmm. Really just tapping into the fact that stop judging yourself. You are more worthy than anyone else to deserve a sober life. Absolutely. Yes, Queen. <laughs> Ayana, I want to thank you so much for being here. Thank you. This was so fun. Thank you so much for being here, Queen. It is truly my honor, my privilege, you guys. Make sure you go on over and you connect with Ayana. I am going to leave all of her information, her book, her podcast, as well as her website, so you guys can connect with her. Definitely reach out. Um, it is up to us to do the work. You know, I bring people on so that you guys can see what's possible for yourself. And, you know, know that you can give yourself that fair chance. You deserve it. You deserve to be free. You deserve to live in bondage. And do not forget to leave a comment on how this podcast is changing your lives. Lastly, do not forget to join our free Facebook group. Go on over. She pursues sobriety with accountability. We talk about sobriety. We talk about self-esteem. All those good things to help you get to your highest heights. All right, guys. I love you, but know that God loves you far more than I ever could. Later. Thanks for joining me this week on the Sober Sessions podcast. I am so grateful that you decided to listen in. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram, Sobriety Queen Connie, as well as visit my website, ConnieSMcMillan.com. Those two platforms, you will learn even more and get even more support for your journey to know that you are purpose and not pain. Lastly, I ask that you would be so kind to subscribe to this platform that we would be able to get more information out to you as well as to others. And don't forget to leave us a review so that we can know that we are serving you to the utmost. Thank you so much for being a listener. I am truly, truly honored and humbled to be the servant that God has chosen me to be. Be blessed. Play does.